Hello, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. This podcast is made possible due to the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab. Or you can text the amount of your contribution to 84321. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now get ready as our lead pastor, Steve Husky, continues with part four of our series, Forward. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, great to see you guys this weekend. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. And as uh, every week, it's our privilege to have you here. And man, I just want you guys to know something, that we believe with all of our hearts that Jesus is the hope of the world, which means no matter where you are, what you're going through, man, God is big enough to be your answer, be your solution, be your strength, be your deliverer, be your provider. God is big enough. And if you'll open up your heart today, he'll meet you where you are, man. Does anybody here believe that? Come on, man. Let's give him some praise. Well, listen, I, uh, I would guess probably I'm not the only one that this has happened to, but about, uh, about six times in the last 12 to 15 months, um, someone has taken our debit card, um, not physically taken it, but robbed us of our identity and used it. Here's the crazy thing is my wife, as you can imagine, shops online a fair bit more than I do, and uh, but mine has been taken more than hers. But, um, but we have something set up that maybe uh, you can set up on yours, maybe you already have it set up where we have this texting thing where if our debit card is used, it sends us a text alert to just let us know if that's ours or not, and we can decline it or accept it. So um, a couple months ago, I was sitting, I'm, I'm kind of a late night guy, it's about 1.30 in the morning, my phone buzzes, and it's my debit alert letting me know that apparently I was shopping somewhere, and I just spent like 830-something dollars. And so since I knew I wasn't there because I was in my living room... <laughs> I declined it, and, uh, and I had to call into the bank. And so I'm having this phone conversation, 2 o'clock in the morning. And it was kind of funny, you know. So I tell this guy, hey, I got this text alert. It told me to call in. And um, it popped up on my phone, like, who had used it. Not the person, but, like, the business that it used it. And so, um, yeah, I thought I'd just mess with the guy. Um, no point in getting mad. You know, they're going to put the money back in. But I said, hey, like, I happened to notice the name came up. He said, yeah. He said, it's actually, it's a pretty common place, this area, you know, they steal identities a lot. They use debit cards a lot. And I said, hey, well, let's go down there and let's get them. For real. And the guy's like, um, sir, that's not really how we do things. I said, listen, man, they took my money. You told me they're taking yours. I said, where are you at? I'll be there in five minutes. Let's go. Uh, so after I messed with you, I got my money back. But here's the thing. Because this keeps happening to us, uh, we keep getting the money back. So it's, it's no sweat. It takes us five minutes to go to our bank and get a new card. But I don't know about you guys, but when somebody takes what belongs to me, like it aggravates me. It, it angers me to think that, man, someone's taking what doesn't belong to them and not just taking what doesn't belong to them, but using for them what belongs to me. And so I know for me, man, it, it kind of fires me up. It upsets me a little bit that someone would be a thief, that someone would take what's not theirs, that someone would use something that doesn't belong to them. And I'm just curious, how do you feel if someone takes your stuff, if someone uses your stuff that doesn't belong to them, and they take it and use it for them. I would imagine it probably makes you feel the same way. But here's the question I want to ask today is I wonder how God feels when we do it to him. 
Because I'm going to tell you very clearly, we're going to read a section of scripture, God actually addresses through a prophet by the name of Malachi this very issue of people just like you and people just like me that from time to time steal from God. In fact, here's what he says in the book of Malachi. I want every voice. This may be the only time all week you read scripture or maybe you get in God's word every day. But I want us as a church community, I want us to, all of us, man, let's read this together as I roll through Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 through 12 says this, come on, every voice. He says, I am the Lord, and I do not change. And that is why the descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When do we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for the whole nation has been cheating me. Come on, y'all read this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I wish somebody here that knows this is true would make some noise about how faithful God is. Now, let me just jump right in and just say this. Um, if you're new to church, new to spiritual things, you've been here a long time, I'm just going to be out of the gate, upfront, honest, vulnerable, tell you exactly what we're doing. Uh, we are going to talk about giving today. In fact, we're just not going to talk about it. I'm going to leverage all of my communication abilities. I'm going to leverage everything I can from God's word to convince every single one of you in this room to be a tither. So it's not a shock at the end. Wait, I didn't see that coming. I'm just telling you, that's my goal. That's my agenda up here right out of the gate. Come on. Woo. <laughs> so, and so I, I want to jump in. Here's, here's why. It's because uh, we are in the middle of this series entitled Forward. And the goal is this, is that each and every one of us, our spirituality is a journey. It's not something that you arrive to. You can't say, I've been there, done that, like I got saved when I was in sixth grade at Bible camp, or, you know, I got saved in Sunday school. Our walk with God is something of a continuation. It's never stagnant. It's always growing. It's always continuing. There's always room for all of us to become more like Christ. Y'all got to make some noise. Come on, man. There's about a thousand of you in this room. We all got room to be more like Jesus, right? So we're in the middle of this series, and we're asking this question. I think it's important. What would Faith Church look like in 2019 if everyone took just one step forward in their spiritual journey this year? Imagine the potential. Imagine what we could do if every single one of us just began to move forward. If we just took one step in our spiritual journey as a faith community, I believe God could do such great things through us that we could literally, I mean this, change this community and impact this region and influence this world. So we've been talking about some of these steps and what they are. In fact, we talked about up to last week, five steps everyone needs to take in 2018. We said you need to be found, which means if you've never bowed your knee to Jesus, you've never said yes to him being the Lord and Savior of your life, you've never opened up your heart to his salvation, that is a step every person needs to take because Jesus said, unless a man or unless a person is born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. So we need to be found. We said be a finder. Be a finder. Be somebody that engages your culture, engages your friends, engages your coworkers in what God's doing in your life. 
And if you're not comfortable having a conversation, at least issue an invitation. If you get them here, I'll do the talking for you. But be somebody because someone found you. We said this, that found people find people because someone found you. Be a finder and help find other people who need Christ. We talked about going public with being found, taking that next step with water baptism. If you've not yet taken the plunge, if you've not gone under the water to identify yourself with Christ, you're commanded to do it. It's a great next step for everybody in this room. We're getting ready to do that. We do it the first Wednesday of every month. And so if you've not done it, I challenge you to go public with being found. Week two, we talked about serving, that save people, serve people, that the reason you probably stayed in this church is the experience you had, that someone got up and loved you coming in, helped you find where you were going. You love the production. You love the worship. You love the singing. You love that your kids love it. You know that your babies were taken care of. Whatever it is, someone made this experience good for you. If you'll serve, God will use who you are, and God will use what you have to influence someone else the same way you were influenced. And lastly, Pastor Adam did a great job last week. Pastor Adam said this, that we were made from connection and we were made for connection. And we believe with all of our hearts as a church with small groups that if you'll get connected, that you'll experience more life change in a circle than you will in a row. Well, I'm glad you come here every week and hear me preach. You can ask questions. You can get prayer. You can have conversations in small groups. We're getting ready to launch those uh, very soon, so be on the lookout. And if you don't want to be a part of one, maybe you can lead one. Open up your home and allow people to come and connect together and build relationship because, again, we were made for connection. So today, we're going to talk about this last step, the sixth step, and the sixth step is tithe. Because I told you right out of the gate, my goal, my agenda is to make sure every person in this room takes one step forward and potentially, hopefully, I'm believing for it, every one of you will become a tither. So, now here's why I want you to think about, man, as you, as you flip through the pages of Scripture, uh, you may not come to this conclusion on your own. This is why I get paid the big dollars. There are about 2,000 Scriptures that actually identify, clearly communicate the issue of finances, resources, stewardship, and money management. In fact, as you step in just the New Testament, the Gospels alone, Jesus taught through a way called parables, which was taking everyday objects and teaching spiritual principles. Jesus had over 40 parables in the Gospels. Do you know almost, or I'm sorry, more than half of those deal with stewardship, money, and finances? And that's just not the only things he had to say. In fact, outside of the parables he taught, Jesus said things like this. You can't serve God and money. You've got to choose who you're going to serve. And you've got to ask this question, like, why, why does God have so much to say in scriptures about money? And the reason God says so much about money is because we think so much about money. I mean, think about our lives. Something that dominates our time and our attention as much as it does, you better believe that our Creator has something to say about our resources, about our wealth. From the time we're kids, people ask us, you know, what is it you want to be when you grow up? And while we like to say it's about our passions at the end of our day, it's about a paycheck. How are you going to earn a living when you grow up? And we, many of us, we go off to college and we invest a lot of time and study time and resources and money. Why? Because, again, it's all about how we're going to get wealth. Then we spend the next 30, 40, 50 years of our life going to a job, working 30, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, getting wealth. When we're not training for it, when we're not going to earn it, we're trying to manage it. And if we're not managing it, we're worrying about it. Come on, somebody. So something that's on our mind, in our hearts, something that's such a big part of our life, that's why God has so much to say about the issue of money. Now, I get it because we live in a world that says, listen, pastors shouldn't talk about money. Preachers shouldn't talk about money. I just want you to know, the worst thing I could do as your pastor is not address a topic that Jesus is so prolific to talk about. 
The best thing I can do as your pastor is to invite you into a reality that Jesus makes very clear in scriptures, that we are called to be tithers and givers. And so as you get into this, I mean, the reality is there is so much said in scripture. I believe this with all of my heart that this topic, this is not, this is not a financial discussion. Today's a spiritual discussion because money's a spiritual matter. Money is a spiritual matter. In fact, I would go so far to say this, that you cannot be a fully devoted follower of Christ if you ignore what God has to say about your stuff. And so I thought today we would end this series forward and we would look at a step all of us could take in moving in that direction to become the people God's called us to be. Because I believe with all of my heart that how you manage your wealth is a key part of your worship, that your money matters to God and it is a spiritual issue. So let's jump back into this topic, again, we're looking at this guy we read early on. His name is Malachi. He's an Italian prophet. No, that's not true. It's Malachi. <laughs> Come on. Some of you guys, you know, you read the book of, you know, read the book of Palm and book of Job. And this Malachi, 2,500 years ago, he came and he addressed the issue of money. And I just want you to know, here we are 2,500 years later, and the issue of money is still a very relevant topic. It's important to who we are as, as a culture, as individuals. It is a big deal. So God speaks into the issue of money, and he says this. I want you to notice how he comes right out of the gate. Malachi chapter 3, verse 7, he says, Now return to me, and I'll return to you. So I want you to, I want, you got to get this right out of the gate. This is for God. This is a connection, this is a connection issue. For God, this is about how he can get you closer to him and how he can get closer to you. In God's perspective, this is not a money issue. This is a relationship issue. But you're going to see how these two things are tied together. He says this, now you return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And notice how they respond. But you ask, how could we return when we've never gone away? It's funny what he's saying is like the, we look at sometimes and we think we're as close to God as we can get. That like, God, I've not gone anywhere. And I just want you to know something. The reality is there are times we are not as close to God as we think we are, and we're certainly not as close to God as we can get. So God always issues the response. God always pushes the call. God always draws us by his spirit to get closer to him because you and I were made for a relationship with God. That's why Jesus paid the price on the cross of Calvary is to get us into a relationship. So he wants us as close as we can get. And sometimes we're not there. In fact, there are marriages in this room that you're probably not as close as you think. I mean, let's be honest. You can live underneath the same roof as your spouse. You might have a wedding certificate on the wall that a preacher, pastor, a judge signed. You've got pictures that are evidence that that day happened. You're living underneath the same roof, maybe even sleeping in the same bed, but you can be far from your spouse and still be married. So I want to just be very close that, that tithing, giving, and finances are not a salvation issue. We do not get to heaven because of anything we give God. We get to heaven because of what he gave us through his son, Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice he made on the cross of Calvary. So, but while it's not a salvation issue, you better believe it's a faith issue, and it's a how close can we get to Jesus issue. And I don't know about you, but I'm here because I want to get as close as I can get. I want to experience all he has for me. I want to walk in all that he died for me. I want everything that God has for me. Does anybody else here feel that way? And this is a gate to get what God has. And so he looks at his people and says, hey, you're not where you need to be. If you'll come close to me, I'll come close to you. How does he measure the proximity of his people to him? Through money. He says this, he says, you have robbed me of tithes and offerings that are due to me. 
What he does is he's ultimately looking at his people and he's using how close they are to him. He's using money as a barometer. Now, I know that makes people, I know it makes you uncomfortable because people get funny when you talk about money. But it's all on me. Y'all are sitting there. It's all on me and I'm comfortable with it. Because as your pastor, I want to do the best I can to convince you what God has for you. And I want you to understand in this section of Scripture that the goal in the heart of your God and who Christ is and what he's done for us, that this is not like this is not a bully on a pray, playground trying to shake you down for money. This is not a shakedown. This is a shake up that God is trying to shake us up and wake us up to his love, his call, his passion, and his heart. And he wants to wake us up so we can get close to him. Come on, somebody. So he says, listen, I want you to know that there are things in your life and you're holding them back. And because you're holding stuff back, it's holding you back. So if you'll release your stuff, it'll get you close to me too. And he's not the only one that says it. Jesus says the very same thing in the New Testament. Jesus wants us to understand that ultimately God is always supposed to be first and best in our life. And we communicate that best through finances. You don't believe me? That's what Jesus said. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, 21. He says, your heart will always be where your treasure is. You want to know what somebody's passionate about? Look at their checkbook. Look at their registry. Look at their cash flow. That's what they're passionate about. That's what they care about. That's what they're motivated by. He's, he's saying it this way. I can't probably say it any clearer than this. He's saying, I can measure your commitment to Christ by the control of your cash. That's true for anything in life. That's true for anything in life. That where you put your resources, where you put what's valuable to you, your life naturally leans that way. And if your life is not invested in it, your heart's not invested in it. Think about, again, we can go back to the topic of marriage, right? If you're married to somebody, and guys, this is us. If you're married to somebody, but you're never spending time, which is also a very precious treasure, if you're not investing a commodity of time in your relationship, you can tell your wife you love them, but I'm telling you they're questioning your love because you're not giving them time. They're questioning your commitment because you're not backing it up with treasure. Come on, is anybody here? I wish some ladies would help me today. Listen, you can't, you, can't, you can't tell your bride, listen, baby, I've been working all day, you know, 12, 13, 14 hours a day, and you come home, and then the weekend hits, and Saturday morning, your bride wants to spend time with you, but you've been going fishing with the boys for the last 21 years, so I go fishing every Saturday, and then you come home and clean up, and you got bowling, bowling league, and you go bowling or whatever your thing is, and you wake up Sunday morning, you go to church, but now because you worked all week and played all weekend, you go home and take a nap after church, then you wake up and watch the masters to go to bed and do it all over again, and you tell your bride, baby, I love you because I put a roof over your head and clothes on your back. What she's going to say is you don't love me because you didn't give me any kind of your treasure. You can talk about it, but your heart is far from me. I know you love me because what you give me, not because you talk about it, but because you do it. And God looks at it and says the same way. It's not about your worship of your lips. It's about the gift and your offerings. That's what God is looking at come on somebody so here's the great news about this scripture again we're talking about forward everybody say forward as we talk about this topic of forward here's the great news that really what Jesus is teaching is that your treasure your stuff your money is the rudder of your life and this is not just a spiritual principle this is true for anything that if you'll invest your money in stuff you'll get interested in it you don't believe me? Anybody here, I'm not asking you to raise your hands, but I'm telling you, anybody here that's in a stock market, soon as you put money in that stock, every day you're like, how's the stock doing? Every couple minutes, how's the stock doing? Is it up? Is it down? 
You didn't care about it when you didn't have any money in it, but all of a sudden you got money in it, and now your heart's right there. Your heart followed your financial investment. You can take something, you name it, I don't care what it is, something you've never cared about. Now all of a sudden you care about the Rotary Club in your community. If you'll start giving money to it, if you'll start investing treasure in it, all of a sudden you'll start showing up for meetings. You'll wonder, what are you guys doing? How are things going? Do you know why? Because Jesus very clearly taught that wherever your treasure is going, your heart is following. I just want you to know something. Jesus doesn't care about your treasure. He cares about your heart. But he knows the only way he can get your heart is through your treasure because he knows those two things are connected. So here's some great news if you're taking notes. You can turn your faith in a new direction if you give your finances a new destination. If you're not as close to God as you want to be, I'm just telling you what Jesus said. If you'll begin to be givers and tithers, if you'll invest in your relationship, if you'll give financially to what God is doing, God is saying your heart will naturally follow the investment of your finances. That's a challenge. Now, I know in this room, I know that it's awkward and it's difficult, and we're going to talk about why sometimes it's hard. But let's hit this real quick. Let's talk about, again, what he calls us to is to be a tither. What's a tithe? The tithe means this. A tithe literally means a payment of a tenth. Now, I'm going to tell you this, that you don't give God 10%. The Bible makes it very clear that it's all his. We return 10%. We just return 10%. It's his. You don't give 10%. And 10%, remember he says, you've robbed me of tithes and offerings. What's the difference? A tithe is the first 10%. An offering is anything greater than 10%, which means you've not begun to give an offering until you've given your tithe. What's a tithe? Let's talk about that for a minute. Tithe is any way that God increases you. You go to work and you get a paycheck, 10% of that belongs to God. That's your tithe. A tithe is any way that God increases you. If grandma, you know grandma, grandma sends you that $10 check. I mean, you're 38 years old. You see, every birthday, you still get that $10 check from grandma. You get that $10 check from grandma, God just increased you by $10, $1 of it's God's. Five years ago, you bought a house for $200,000. You sold it last week for $300,000. You increased by $100,000. $10,000 of that's God's. Oh, come on, somebody. Help me now. <laughs> See, come, some of you is like, well, I thought it was just my paycheck. Any way God increases you, any way God blesses you, any way God multiplies you, 10% of it's his. That's the tithe. Anything beyond it, that's an offering. Well, what if I don't do it? Like, I, just, I don't know if I'm there yet. Pastor, preacher, I don't know if I'm in yet. I mean, that seems like a lot. I don't know if I can afford that. I just want you to know something. It's not about your provision. It's about your priority. Either God is first in your life or he's not. Either he is first or he's not. And the way you know it is if he's first in your life, he'll be first in your finances. And the way you do that is by being a tither in every area of increase. Just clap. You ain't got to believe it, but you better clap. So he says this, if you don't do it, if you don't do it, if you choose not to be a tither, if you choose not to walk in what he's called us to, he says this, and this is scary, I know it's crazy, but read it with me. He says, you are under a curse. That sounds like some voodoo magic. What? I thought a God who loved me, I mean, I thought, you know, I was the apple of his eye. You are. I thought he loved me. You, he does. Well, what's this curse business? God's cursing me? That's not what the scripture says. Scripture doesn't say God will curse you. The scripture says you're under a curse. And here's why. You experience God's best by living God's way. And anytime you choose to live God's way, you'll walk in God's blessing. 
Anytime you choose to live your way instead of God's way, then you live outside of the blessing. And you choose, you can live under the blessing or you can live under the curse. And the only way you can live under the blessing is by doing it God's way. And that includes the issue of finances by being a tither and giver. And when you do that, God says, I will bless you. But see, the reality is, man, again, we keep holding back. We keep holding back for lots of reasons. But I want you to know something. Listen to this. When you choose not to be a tither, it's not like God's up in heaven, right? And he needs your money. He don't need your money. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I'm praying, oh, God, you know, my son's getting ready to play AAU basketball, and that junk's expensive. He he probably don't need them, but he would like some new Jordans. Lord, I need need $250 for the the new Jordans. LeBron James 15. Y'all felt the Holy Ghost when I said that, didn't you? And he's like, he's like, Steve, I would like to help a brother out, but Scott's not tied yet. When Scott, when Scott gives me mine, then I'll pass it on. Listen to what I'm telling you. When you choose not to tithe, you're, God is not up in heaven waiting on you so he can finance his kingdom. He is well in charge. He has a cattle on a thousand hills. The Bible says the earth belongs to him and the fullness of thereof. It's all his. He don't need what you have to do what he's going to do. He's going to take what he has and bless you, but you got to be obedient to walk underneath the blessing by being a tither. Listen to this. Anytime you rob God, you're the one that experiences the deficit. God's not at a loss. You're at a loss. You're missing out. You're the one selling yourself short. And we're going to look at a couple reasons why, but let's just talk some basic math because I know it's crazy. Faith can sometimes be crazy. Come on, we can just be real. Amen. Come on. Jesus, turn the other cheek. I'll punch him in the throat. You know, what? You know, I mean, come on. Pray for my enemies. I'll pray for them, Lord. Strike them with lightning. Kill their dog. Let his wife cheat on him. How's that, Lord? In Jesus' name. I know, I know God's kingdom's upside down, but it just is. And you have to choose to be a part of it or not. You have to choose to surrender to God's law or not. You have to choose to make him the king of your life or not. But if you choose to make him the king of your life, you've got to follow the laws of the king. And the laws of the king is to be a tither. And here's the promises. It sounds like in the world we live, if you're a tither, you have less. But the promise of the king is if you'll be a tither. If you'll bring God the first 10%, you won't have less, you'll have more. I know it don't make sense. I mean, I, I got a math degree, but let's just, it's basic math right here. Right here, right? If you make $1,000 a week, $1,000 minus $100 because that's your tithe, 10% your tithe, and that leaves you with $900. $1,000 minus your tithe leaves you with $900. Basic math, $1,000 is greater than $900. Pastor, you're telling me that I bring that first 10% to God, I'm having trouble paying my bills now. I'm having trouble putting gas in the car now. God, I'm having trouble doing what I'm doing now. You're telling me, listen, that don't make no sense. Here's what God's kingdom says. God's kingdom says that $1,000 is less than $900 when you put that first 10% in his hands because he will bless the rest. He will increase the rest. You will do amazing things with the rest. You choose. Here's a couple things he says real quick. Here's a couple things he says. First of all, when you choose to be a tither, here's God's promise in Malachi. We get to build God's kingdom. Oh. Now, see, there ain't nothing to shout about, I know, but let's be honest. See, some of you guys, you're not shouting because you're too busy building your kingdom. 
We get too busy building our kingdom. We get too busy building our image and what we look like and how we dress and what we live in and what we drive. And I just want you to know the greatest thing we can ever do with our time on planet earth is to advance God's kingdom and not ours. Because whatever we build on planet earth for us, it will one day burn up and it will not last. But whatever we build for the glory of God, whatever we build in God's kingdom, it will last forever. Notice what Malachi says. Malachi says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. See, back during this time, 2,500 years ago, there was a central place of worship called the temple. All of God's people, the Jews, they would show up. There was a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice. And God's people would bring their tithe. The tithe at that time was meat. The tithe at that time was grain. The tithe at that time was not dollars and cents like we do now, but it's not changed. God increased their crop. God increases your paycheck. And they would bring it. He said, this is why. Because there needs to be resources in my temple so the ministry of worship can happen for my people. If you don't bring your tithe, then the worship in the temple shuts down. I want you to know something today. This building is not the New Testament temple. The great news is you are the New Testament temple. God doesn't live in this building. It's not like we, it's not like all week God's like, man, I'm looking forward to them coming this week. I mean, come on, y'all ain't been here in a couple weeks, but I'm, I'm looking forward to them coming and then you leave, and he's like, okay, I'll see you guys next week. And God's hanging out here waiting for us to come back. No, God comes with you, and God goes with you, and he drives with you because Jesus said he left up out of this planet. But as a believer, the moment you say yes to Jesus, the Spirit of God comes and lives on the inside of you. God does not live in the temple made by the hands of men, but he lives on the side of the hearts of Christ followers and believers. You're the temple. But, but there is still a central place that we worship, and it is this building. And so I want you to know something is when you are a tither, you are building God's kingdom and you got to make a decision whether you're going to build your kingdom or build his. You can either buy a Big Mac or you can make a big impact. You choose. Here's why I say that, because last year I talked, we do this talk every year. This will be our fourth year in a row doing it. Last year I had a conversation with a young couple. And this way they said, Pastor Steve, I would love to tithe, but I can't afford to tithe. We looked at the numbers. We crunched the numbers. We're barely making it as it is. Here's what I told him. I said, go home and look and see where your money's going. You'd be shocked how much money you waste. Please, Steve, you'd be shocked how much money you waste. I know. And we don't realize where we spend stuff. You got to be known where your money's going. Go home and just do it. Write down everything you spend. You'd be shocked how much money you waste. I say this, and this is true. Our, our phone bill right now, our cell phone bill is like $450 a month. If you'd have told me five years ago I was paying $450 a month to carry a device so people could annoy me during the day, I would have punched you in the throat. <laughs> and every month I'm like, okay, here, AT&T. <laughs> and I'm not saying don't have cell phones, but I'm just saying it's, it's just, if it's just about what you want and increasing what you need and you ignore what God's called us to, you will miss the blessing of building God's kingdom. So this couple told me, Pastor, you know, we, just, we just can't. I said, you need to go home and find out where your money's going. Because it's not, again, it's, 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 it's not about anything but whether he's a priority. It's not your resources. It's about respect. And so this couple came back, and this is what they said. They said, Pastor, man, we were looking at our, at our resources, and we found something we were kind of shocked by. Their kids were in travel ball. So a lot of, I know a lot of you parents, or you, you have been in travel ball, or your kids in travel ball. They said a lot of times, man, we're out late at night, and so we just run through the drive-thru, we run through Wendy's, run through McDonald's, run through Burger King, and we get stuff on the run. And what we didn't know, we knew we were spending money. We had no idea they were spending $800 a month on drive-thru food. So I could tell you where their tithe was going. 
the Burger King, McDonald's. And so you got to choose. You got to choose. I'm telling you, listen to me. You may not understand it, but when you bring your tie to the storehouse, when you make food available in this house, we together as a faith community, I'm telling you, we are changing the world. This past week, we were a part of, I was at a place hanging out with a group of pastors. We raised $2.5 million, part of it out of this house, to build Bible colleges and training centers all over the world through a ministry called Priority One. The pastors get trained. They go into villages and regions, and they win the loss because you bring your tithe into the storehouse. I'm telling you, listen to me. You are changing the world when you give. You can choose to put more clothes on your back, or you can choose to put clothes on the backs of people that never had it. Let me tell you another story. This past week, we were with a couple uh, named Rudy and Sharon Swanepoel. Good friends of ours. They're traveling evangelists. She also has a children's ministry. She writes kids' books. They're from South Africa, so they go back to South Africa, not just South Africa, but all over the African continent. They go into villages, they go into towns and centers, and they do kids' crusades every time they have a kids' crusade. Every time they have a kids' crusade. Every time they have a kids' crusade, thousands of kids give their hearts to Christ. This past year, they went through a hardship. She was down on her back. They weren't able to travel, which is their primary source of income. I just felt led by the Holy Spirit to write a check. Do you know where I got the check from? From the money you give. Because you made food available in the source. Wait, 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 wait. You made food available in the storehouse. We mailed them a check. Got a, we had a conversation. Have not talked to them in a while. Rudy Sharon, how's it going? Man, things are going great. We're back on the rise. Listen, I want you to know something. We went down and we did a crusade in South Africa. One of the places we went was an orphanage. There was an orphanage. Kids there had nothing. Had nothing. And they took to this orphanage hundreds of pairs of shoes. One little kid, eight years old, never had a pair of shoes on his feet. So they say he was walking around like this. It's like, you know how you put stuff like on cats or dogs? I don't like cats, so I'd never touch a cat. But dog, Because he never wore it. I'm just telling you, because you give, we're able to do stuff together to put, uh, to put clothes on kids' backs, to reach people far from God. We're getting ready to build a church and to plant a church upside in Lawrenceburg because you are building the kingdom because we're invited to be co-laborers with Christ. When you lose the 10%, you build God's kingdom. What better thing can you spend your money on? Number two, this is huge. This is huge. This is huge. God says he promises. Watch this. God blesses your resources. Now, if you've never done it, I, I get it. It's crazy. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I, I, I have now done this. Uh, as a young believer, very young, um, working a couple part-time jobs, I was in school full-time, my car broke down. I didn't have money. I went to talk to the guy who's kind of my spiritual mentor, and he said, are you tithing? I'd never heard the word tithing. Had no idea what it meant to be a tither. And he told me, and I didn't like it. Tell me, what else you got? <laughs> he said, listen, you're robbing God. As long as you're robbing God, living life your way instead of God's way, you're under a curse. And your stuff's under a curse. And I said, I'm not making it as is. You're telling me, I mean, I'm a college student. I don't have much money. If you don't have a job, 10% of zero is zero. We get it. No condemnation there. But he said, you need to, he said, you need to make a come up. He said, you just need to be faithful to God, trust God, trust God. He said, your job's not your source. God is your source. So, man, every time I got paid, every time I got paid, put that cash in the offering. Every time I got paid, you know what I found out? That 90% blessed by God goes way further than 100% in my own hands. I'm telling you, every time, every time God blessed my resource. Here's what the scripture says. Listen to what Malachi says. If you do, if you choose to obey God, it's not about money. It's about relationship. It's about connection. But again, money's the barometer. He says, if you'll choose to do what I call you to do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, read it with me. 
I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Does anybody here want this in their life? Anybody here wish God would do that? He goes on, he says this, watch. He says, your crops will be abundant. That means what you produce in life will increase, and I will guard them from insects and disease, the stuff that keeps breaking down for everybody else. Some of you got to wonder why you can't get ahead. You got to wonder why your business won't take off. You got to wonder why your car breaks down every other week. Because he said it, because you're under a curse. But when you bring the tithe, God says, I will bless your resources. I'm just telling you as I stand here, from the day I started tithing, my income, our income has gone up for the last 25 years. You can say what you want. I'm not saying our life is perfect. I'm not saying nothing in our life ever breaks. But I'm telling you, we don't pay big bills to get our cars fixed. I just believe God makes our cars run longer, our roof lasts longer, our refrigerator lasts longer, because that's what he said. He said, I'm going to bless you with more, and I'm going to protect what I give you when you walk as tithers and givers. You need to choose to believe God or not. But here's the reality is when you choose to believe God, it's a chance to grow your faith. Because I know when you look at it, to let go of 10%, it's, it's hard. And some of you are here and you're saying, Pastor, if I, Pastor, I make $15,000 a year. I'm a college student. I'm trying to pay. And when I make 50, when I get out, I'll tithe. Well, right now, you only got a $1,500 check to write. It gets tougher when you got to write a $5,000 one. Man, when I make 100000 Pastor, I'm in. Well, now it's a $10,000 check. Because every time God increases. See, it's easy to give God what's left. It takes faith to give God what's right. It takes faith to sit down and say, God, whew, God, I trust you. I believe, you're my, I believe you're my resource. I believe you're going to protect me. God, I believe you're going to keep me. God, I believe you're going to meet my needs. It's not up to this economy. It's not up to this president. It's not up to this stock market. It's not up to my boss. God, I believe you're my provider, and I trust you, and I demonstrate my trust in you because tithing is a trust issue. Tithing is a trust issue. God, I choose to trust you, so God, I'm going to be a tither. And here's what he says. This, watch this. He says, try it. Everybody say it. Try it. For you that aren't in this room in, or for you in this room or watching online, you've not been a tither, I challenge you. Try it. God says, go ahead, put me to the test. I dare you. If I was writing this for God, if I was Malachi the prophet, I, I double dog dare you. Try it. Put me to the test. You know what he's saying? Be a tither and see if I don't. If you do your part, I'll do my part. If you do your part, I'll do my part. God is not interested in the songs we're singing. He's interested in the offerings we're bringing. Now, here's what it looks like. I love this, how this works. If you'll be a tither, again, you get to build God's kingdom. As you build God's kingdom, God's saying, there's somebody I can bless. There's somebody I can trust. I'm going to increase their business. They're going to be the people I get a raise to because I know they're going to build my kingdom, not theirs. And so the more you invest in God's kingdom, the more God knows he can bless you and he can trust you. And the more God blesses you and increases you, you know what happens? It's an opportunity for you to grow your faith because now you've got to give more than you ever give because you have more than you ever had. And as you give more, you know what happens? You get to build God's kingdom more. As you build God's kingdom, God is going to bless you more. As God blesses you more, it's another chance for you to grow your faith. And that cycle just keeps going. I'm telling you, as your pastor, I don't get on this platform and preach anything, number one, I don't believe, and number two, anything we don't practice. I'm not perfect, nor am I claiming to be. But my wife and I, we have been doing this for 25 years. And so we're clear. If, this, if the income, the income of this church last year was $3.3 million. And that's awesome. But y'all just need to hear this. If everybody in this room decides to tithe and the budget goes up to $5 million this year, it does not impact my paycheck. There is zero motivation in this for me. 
This is not what I want to get from you. It's what I want to get for you. I want you to experience what God said. I want you to experience what my wife and have experienced for 25 years. We got three kids, two of them girls, who like to dress nice. Let's see, write God a check or the hair person. I'm just telling you, there's times it's like, hey. And again, offerings kick in after the 10%. My wife and I just wrote a check like we asked you to write. And we didn't write a small check. We wrote a significant check to plant the campus in Lawrenceburg. Do you know why? Because I don't ask you to do anything I'm not doing. Not because I'm the standard, but because God's word is the standard. I live sacrificially. I want you to live sacrificially so we as a faith community can impact this region and we can change the world. And God says, when you partner with me, God says, you get to build my kingdom. And you build my kingdom, I'll bless your resources. As I bless your resources, it's opportunity for your faith to just keep growing. This, uh, man, I ran out of time, first service. Can I give, just give me five more minutes, 10. It's uh, five, I'll never do it in five, I just lied. <laughs> give me 10, give me 10. <clears throat> Does anybody know who David and Barbara Green are? You know them, you probably just don't recognize the name. David and Barbara Green are the owners and CEO of Hobby Lobby. They are multi, 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 multi millionaires. About a year ago, I got invited to sit in a small room with them. I was like, they obviously made a mistake inviting me. <laughs> I sit on a presidential council for a university. I was invited in for um, just to help this university. So, but they were there in this small gathering and they share their testimony and they give because they're blessed, they're Christians. Because they're blessed, they give big. And David Green got up and was sharing his, his journey of being a giver and a tither. And he made this statement. Have, have any of you guys, have you guys ever heard someone say you can't outgive God? You just can't outgive God? Who's ever heard that before? He said one day he was walking out in his backyard, man, just celebrating what God had done in his life and his business, how much millions of dollars they were to give, able to give away. And he said this. He said, I said out of my mouth, boy, God, you just, I just can't outgive you. He said immediately the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart and said, how do you know you've never really tried? And he said, all of a sudden I realized is I've been a tither. We've been not just tithers, we've been givers. He said, but I never really, I said, I never really tried to outgive him. He said immediately he went to his son, all his entire family's involved in the business. In fact, now they've officially handed it over. But at that time, his son, he said he went to his son, told him the conversation. He said him and his son made a commitment together. He said, this is what we decided. We decided we were going to try to outgive God. And he made this commitment. Listen to this. He said, for every three months, they doubled their tithe. Every three months, they doubled their tithe. They did it for three years. He said, you know what I found out? Every time we doubled our tithe, God doubled our business. Every time we doubled our tithe, God increased our business. He said, I can stand here before you now and tell you, I tried and I couldn't outgive God. Whoo! Telling you. 